Welcome into the Deep Slant Podcast presented by Xfinity. Count on a powerful and secure Wi-Fi connection for all your devices. Xfinity XFi, can your internet do that? Welcome into the Deep Slant Podcast. It's week five. I've got another great guest lined up for you. Terrence Mitchell, defensive back. He's in his eighth season. He started three games for the Texans this year. Started all 16 for the Browns last year. We get into a lot of different things in my interview with Terrence. He is... uh, he is quite a character. His nickname is Money Mitch, so you know it's going to be a winning interview when your nickname is Money Mitch. We talk about that. We talk about French fries. Um, I've got a great update on this interview since I recorded it earlier this week, so we'll get into that. And and speaking of updates, I had Roy Lopez on this podcast last week, and he talked about his favorite. Re- he talked about wrestling and his favorite wrestler, and he told a story about watching The Rock every single day on a portable TV with a VHS. Uh, slot at the bottom. Most of you 70s and 80s kids remember this. I thought Roy was too young to have this, but he said he didn't have enough money for a flat screen TV growing up. So that's what he had. He tells the story. Um, our social media team puts that clip on Twitter. And guess who responds? The Rock himself. So um, The Rock and Roy Lopez, now Twitter friends. And it's been pretty exciting. So I think that friendship's going to continue. And if you want to see the entire interaction and you're not on Twitter, if you go to HoustonTexans.com, I wrote a story about it Monday of this week, as seen on social, and it sort of recaps that exchange between the two of them. It's it's really funny. It's very entertaining. I actually saw Roy uh, downstairs one day after that, and and he was super pumped. He said that his phone was blowing up as soon as The Rock made mention of him on Twitter and replied. So uh, always excited to see that. And I have a similar update to this week's guest. It's not The Rock, uh, but it's someone else that responded on Twitter. But I'm going to make you listen to the interview, and then I will let you know what the update is. But we've got Terrence Mitchell. Also, it is Patriots Week, so I caught up with Ben Volan. He's a senior writer of the Boston Globe. We talk about Stefan Gilmore, what's going on with the the Patriots, with, with Mac Jones under center. They've got a lot of injuries at the O-line. And uh, what's going on up there in Foxborough as they prepare for the Houston Texans? We get into all that behind enemy sidelines. But first, Xfinity delivers the fastest internet in Houston, stream Texans games on a powerful and secure Wi-Fi network, and count on a reliable connection for all your devices. Xfinity XFi, can your internet do that? And we've got a treat for you. It's Terrence Mitchell. You've probably not really heard him speak too much uh, because he just signed here in the offseason like most of the players did. So I had a lot of questions. We sort of were hard-hitting, fast topics all over the place. And I think you'll be surprised by several of the things that come out of his story. And we kick it off really fast because I think everyone needs to know how many different places Terrence had been with before he really – really stuck last year or a few years ago with the Cleveland Browns. And then last year was a full-time starter for them. So he gets into that and more right here on the Deep Slant Podcast presented by Xfinity. Year eight, Terrence, you've started every game for the Texans that you've been here for. You actually started every game last year as well. And I was looking through all the teams that you've played for. You've had like a crazy journey in the NFL. So 2014, you get drafted. Can you Do you remember all the teams that you've been with since 2014 to now? Yeah. Can you can you list them? Okay. So I jotted them down, so I'll, I'll yeah, see, make sure you're right. I got drafted to Dallas, then got cut from Dallas, went to Chicago, and then went back to Dallas. Then from Dallas, went to Houston in 2016. Then from Houston, went to Kansas City. Then from Kansas City to uh, Cleveland. And from Cleveland, 
back here. Back to Houston again. Yeah. Like you made a couple of double stops in some of these places. What? Yeah. How wild has it been just from 2014 to now to see where you started? I know there were a lot of times where you weren't even on practice squad, but you're inactive, and now you're a starter here for this Texans defense. Well, you know, it's just been a grind, and, um, you know, just – Luckily, I have a strong faith in good people around me to keep my mind right. Just to continue to help me just keep grinding. And, you know, it's sometimes it doesn't start off right, but it's always about to finish. And I'm still working. All right. Well, you came back here to Houston after being here in 2016. You mentioned that. You were here for training camp. And then this offseason, you were a free agent, so you could have signed anywhere. So why did you want to sign back in Houston again? Well, I mean... It's, it was the best opportunity for me and Nick, Big Nick, and and the staff. You know, I mean, anybody that believes in you, like for me to have somebody that believes in me, that's big to me. So, you know, it was no hesitation. I just come here to do my best and try to help us win games. Big Nick, I like that for Nick Casario. Yeah. Uh, we're gonna start calling it that. You yeah. just started something. <laughs> All right, you're back with Farrell Brown. You're with him at Oregon. You're with him at Cleveland. You're with him in Houston. Talk about full circle moments to be with. Another player through this wild journey of yours. Oh, uh, yeah. Shoot, um, Farrell, me and Farrell go way back. He was my uh, weightlifting partner when we was in college. Is that right? Yeah, I was my boy. <laughs> you yeah. weightlifted together? Yeah, you know, we used to grind. He was a hard worker. I was a hard worker, so we just connected. Did you pick up where you left off now that you're in Houston together? Oh, yeah, for sure. Lightweight, yeah. Okay, so when you were at Oregon, actually, I saw that recently you graduated from yeah. Oregon. You yeah. were at Oregon a while ago, but you just got your diploma. Yeah. So how close were you to graduating? Mm, I was probably off probably like a semester. That's it? Yeah. And so then what What made you want to go back and finish it this semester? Well, I always wanted to. My mom wanted me to, and it was just also to my lady. She she has her degree, and um, she put. I had to had to step up because we got a daughter, so we both had to have You got to have your matching diplomas. Yeah. What did you get your diploma in? Uh, social science. Well, congratulations. Thank you. Okay, so you also have a clothing brand mm-hmm. called 39, yeah. which is really lucky because I was worried that if you didn't get 39 here, what would you have done? Would you have <laughs> I would have probably would have paid for it. <laughs> you would have <laughs> You're like, I've got too much uh, on the line. What sort of clothing do you do? Uh, uh, just like uh, graphic tees, hats, and stuff like that. I wish I had some on me right now, but I'm going to have some for game day for okay. sure. Okay. I was yeah. like, next time you're on camera, you got to be wearing that. Yeah. All right. You've got one of the coolest nicknames, Money Mitch. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I love the shirt that you wore a few weeks back. It had money all over it uh, for yeah. one of the games. <laughs> so how did you get this amazing nickname? Uh, Shoot. I just delivered the goods. Uh, <laughs> rather, you know, sports or anything. You know, it's not all about money, you know. You know, money is just coming, cash on delivery, just delivering the goods when it's needed. It's figurative. You're not really delivering money. You're delivering your yeah, love, good play, love, love play, start. anything. Did this start in college, or was this an NFL nickname? College, definitely college. Um, it really kind of came from uh, Paid in Full. This movie called Paid, Paid in Full. Paid in Full, it's a movie? Okay. Yeah, you got to check that out. Okay, I will watch Paid in Full. All right, so you're not the first person with money as a nickname for a celebrity. So I came up with a few nicknamed celebrities that have money in their name, and I want you to rank them. Okay. Okay. Young Money, Money Bag Yo, Ty Dolla Sign, 50 Cent, and Johnny Cash. Worst to best money nickname. Oh, man. Well, Young Money, that's Lil Wayne in them, so that go number one. Okay. And I'll follow by, 
gonna go with my boy uh, Ty Dollar just because he's from Cali. Then Moneybag, yo, he raw. Oh, 50 Cent tight, too. Uh, <laughs> that's kind of hard, honestly. And Johnny Cash, he a player. I don't know. I know. That's his name name. Yeah, that's tight. Nah, Johnny okay. Cash, that, that's, hard. that's hard. You just like everybody with the nickname Money, don't you? I really you? do, I guess. Yeah, that was hard. That was hard. Well, yeah. you know, that that's why it's a Money nickname. It's yeah. a great nickname to have. I heard a story when you were in Cleveland that you showed up to a radio show and you were eating French fries, and you got yourself a French fry deal. Yeah. How did that happen? Man, they had some, um, they had some good uh, checkers rallies, some seasoned fries, and some uh, some little chicken nuggets. It was good. Y'all ain't got no food here. <laughs> yeah, oh, had, okay. You I, want? I ate them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. McDonald's, somebody. Yeah, you know what? We have a partnership with Whataburger. Oh, man, I love them honey chicken uh, biscuits. You do? They have fr- hey, they have fries, too. Yeah, Maybe no. they might need a fry spokesperson. Yeah. All right. Well, if you want to get a fry deal or a deal with Whataburger, maybe you should, like, yeah. you should like look into that camera and pitch it. Whataburger. I love them honey chicken biscuits. This camera. Whataburger. I love them no, honey chicken. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're good. You're good. Uh, okay, go ahead. Go I love it. the honey chicken biscuits and the breakfast. I like your whole menu. Whataburger, you got a fan of me. Okay, I like it. I feel like I feel like good things could happen for you because you've done the fry deal before. Like, what makes you? What makes a good spokesperson? Oh, you gotta just be you gotta just be eating them. the fries and eating you, the food all the you time. You gotta be able to sell and let them know how good <laughs> it is. You know, I'm, I've had some Whataburger fries. They are good. Do you do you like it with the dipping sauce? Oh yeah, I'm a big sauce guy. Barbecue, honey mustard, ketchup. Yeah, they've got a couple yeah. different ketchups too. They got too. the sauce. They got the spicy. They got the fancy. Okay, well, I feel like we gotta we gotta work on a fry deal for you to just like welcome you to Houston. Come on. He wanted some food here. We were not prepared, but maybe we could hook you up. All right, what about this Texan secondary? They moved some they moved some people around here recently, so now you're playing opposite Desmond King. How's that been for you so far? It's been cool. You know, um, it's the NFL. You know, everybody's here able. You know, next man up, that's the mentality all the time. And I once was a guy thrown into a secondary where, you know, they was asked about me and things like that. But, you know, everybody's able to hold their own and do what they have to do to allow us to win games. All right, good stuff. Looking forward to seeing what the rest of the year has in store for you. Terrence, Money Mitchell, and hopefully one day a Whataburger spokesperson. I thought that was great. I, I think that they just need to have this guy as a spokesperson. I appreciate that. All right, thanks for being on. Thank you for having me. All right, so life update for Terrence Mitchell. After that interview aired, uh, we posted a clip of it on on uh, Twitter. And, of course, Whataburger is a partner of the Texans, so we tagged Whataburger in it. And Whataburger said they got him. They got, they, they got him covered. And uh, they hooked him up. They hooked him up with some fries for a year some swag. And if that's not good enough, Whataburger hooked me up. I mean, I don't know if it was a finder's fee or what, maybe because I'm the one that uh, suggested he should get a fry deal in the interview. But I got a really cool shirt that says, I'm so fancy with a cup that says I'm so fancy. It's promoting their fancy ketchup, but I mean, it's perfect. I'm going to wear that all the time. I love Whataburger. Whataburger Wednesdays at my house. And if Whataburger is listening to this and wants to give me some free fries or HBCBs, as John Harris calls them, honey butter chicken biscuits, I'm down, and I'm sure my boys will be down as well. But anyway, great stuff from Whataburger. And I feel like now we've set the bar kind of high for the Deep Slant podcast and my one-on-one every week. I don't really know what's going to happen next week. I don't even know who the guest is going to be, but I feel like we've got to deliver. So stay tuned for that for next week's interview and podcast. All right. 
So now it is Patriots week. It's week five. Actually, these two teams have played each other at least once every year since 2015. So this will be the seventh meeting in a row. They did not play in 2010, 2011, and 2014. So they have played three times. This will be the third time in a row that they're playing here at NRG Stadium, which is crazy considering they're in a different division. I mean, they're still AFC opponents, but these two teams have played each other a lot. And since I've been here every single year, except for my first year in 2013. So here they go again. They couldn't look more different than they did the last time they played. Um, and, and, and the Patriots have a, a lot of new pieces namely Mac Jones. A lot of similarities um, with the Texans this year. They both have the same record. They both have rookie quarterbacks. They're both struggling to run the ball a little bit. So for different reasons, the Patriots are completely banged up on their O-line right now. So uh, a lot to get to. And then, of course, the Stephon Gilmore news sort of kicked off practice week this week. So we got right into it with Ben Volan, senior writer of the Boston Globe, and found out what's going on with the Patriots this week. It's Enemy Sidelines presented by Microsoft. Joining me today, my good friend, Ben Bullen, who I seem to talk to every single year when the Patriots and the Texans face each other. He's a senior writer for the Boston Globe. And Ben, I had a list of questions I was going to ask you, but we've got to get to the Stefan Gilmore news first. Obviously, the Patriots and Gilmore parting ways. You know, what does that sort of mean for the organization and, and how much of that is a surprise? Yeah, never a dull moment here in Foxborough. Bill Belichick taking everyone by surprise. Uh, the Patriots are going to be parting ways with Stefan Gilmore. And I'm surprised they spent a ton of money in the offseason, over $175 million fully guaranteed. And yet, for whatever reason, they couldn't find a way to come to a new deal with Stefan Gilmore. And I think they've figured out that uh, it's better to simply move on than to bring him back in part of the team, which I'm a little confused about. It's hard to say that the Patriots are going to be a better football team without Stefan Gilmore this year. Um, now they definitely need the salary cap space. They only have about two and a half million dollars in cap space. I don't think they have enough money to cover all the bonuses and things that they're probably gonna have to pay out at the end of the year. And they do save, save more than 6 million by, by moving on from Gilmore. So that gives them some breathing room, but I'm certainly surprised and that they weren't able to, to get more for him. He's still an elite player. I think only two years removed from uh, being defensive player of the year. The secondary has played pretty well. Uh, Jalen Mills and newcomer has been a nice addition. Uh, JC Jackson, Jonathan Jones. They, so they've been solid at cornerback, but Gilmore's a great player. And I'm surprised that the Patriots couldn't find a way to keep him in the fold this year. Yeah. And he was on pup this year. So it's not like, it would have affected Sunday's game because he had not played this year so far. Correct. Right. Gilmore was not going to be playing this Sunday. Uh, he had, when you're on the PUP list, physically unable to perform, you have to sit out for the first six games minimum. So the Patriots had a couple more weeks to figure out if they could get more for Gilmore, but you know, they were also paying him about 400 grand per week uh, to be on pup and they needed the cap space. So I think they just, decided to rip off the Band-Aid now. But, uh, yeah, he would not have played this week. But you'd think towards the end of the season that the Patriots are hoping to be playoff contenders. You'd think they could use uh, a cornerback like Gilmore. Instead, they've moved on, and now he has a chance to go play uh, for a, a top contender, you know, whether it's joining Tom Brady and the Bucks or going to Kansas City, maybe Baltimore, maybe Carolina, New Orleans. I think Gilmore is going to have a lot of options because I do think he's probably healthy enough and should be able to contribute right away. All right. Well, I think the big story for Sunday's game, two rookie quarterbacks and Mac Jones and Davis Mills facing off and Mac Jones that Sunday night performance against Tom Brady and the Bucks. 
He seemed to really bounce back nicely from his performance the week before against the Saints, uh, where he threw three interceptions. What did you learn about Mac Jones sort of playing under the bright lights in such a big game? And I think you had to be living under a rock if you did not know those two teams were playing each other. Because I, I mean, I'll be honest, Ben, I had Patriots Buccaneers fatigue by Sunday morning. We'd been hearing about it all week. So it was a very highly publicized game for the rookie and he came out pretty well in it even despite it being a loss yeah i can't imagine if you didn't have too much rooting interest i'm sure just being inundated by the brady and belichick talk got to be a little much last week yeah mac mac showed that the spotlight is not going to be too big for him that he can handle it all and and that shouldn't be too surprising he played at alabama and played in in the biggest moments and certainly was in a fishbowl type of environment uh, in tuscaloosa but uh, yeah, I give Mac a lot of credit. He went toe to toe with Brady. Uh, I think showed a lot of toughness, and that's been throughout the first four games. He's been getting crushed. He's been taking a ton of hits and, and sacks, and he's been bouncing back up and hanging in there in the pocket, making the reads, making some good throws. Uh, you'd like to see him push the ball downfield a little bit more. He does kind of settle for shorter throws and checkdowns, and maybe doesn't uh, hold the ball as long as he should as far as looking downfield. His completion percentage is great. He's, I think he's seventh in the league at 70% right now, but I think he's 26th in yards per attempt. So he's, he's not really pushing the ball downfield. But, uh, you know, it's, he's a rookie. This offense is a work in progress with all these new pieces. The offensive line has not helped him. They, they've been kind of a mess in front of him. And now yesterday the Patriots put their left tackle and their left guard on the COVID list. So we'll see what kind of protection Mac Jones has for this Sunday against the Texans. He's been solid. He's been, I think, clearly the best rookie quarterback. But the Patriots need him to not just be good for a rookie, to, but to be good overall. They need to score more points. They've only been getting one to two touchdowns per game. They need to start turning more of these drives in, into touchdowns. Uh, but certainly Mac is off to a good start, and I think the Patriots feel comfortable about what they have with him. Yeah, it seemed like they were comfortable with him early because, you know, we talk about the Gilmore news, but that Cam Newton news surprised everyone as well. It seemed like Bill Belichick gave his vote of confidence to Mac Jones pretty early on. Now you cover the team every single day. Was that surprising? Or do you think that there was something in Mac Jones where Belichick felt like, you know, this is going to be his guy because we know he doesn't like to commit to rookies too early, too soon. Right. Well, so I, I was surprised that they made the move. I just thought by bringing back Cam Newton and continuing to have him, you know, serve as the starter during practice, he was always taking reps first. He was always starting the games. I just thought they wanted to bring Mac along slowly and, and what would be the harm in sitting him a little bit and letting him, take it all in. Now that said, you watched camp and it was clear that Mac was a doing very well, that the coaches were impressed with him and that you could see the confidence building every day, not just in what Mac had in himself, but with his teammates and coaches around him. I remember there was one practice. He hit probably 15 or 16 passes in a row, finished off a drive with a touchdown. The place is going wild. Josh McDaniels is giving him high fives and Belichick's giving him high fives. And you could just see the team really responding to Mac. So you know, that said, not surprising that the, the Patriots decided just to go ahead and get the future started now. But I, I still was surprised. And, and I think there's an argument to be made that Cam Newton wasn't really given a fair shake. And, you know, the Patriots did start off one and three. Uh, Mac has been up and down. Uh, the Patriots, I don't think they showed a lot of faith in Mac Jones uh, with a couple decisions last week. Belichick kicking a field goal instead of going for it on, on fourth and three late in the game. If you're going to play the rookie quarterback and have, you know, make that decision, you've got to show more confidence in him than, than playing for field goal and, and field position. Uh, so Mac, Mac clearly, I think, won the respect of his teammates 
during training camp, but I think even a lot of them were surprised that Cam Newton was kind of unceremoniously released. I, I think, uh, you know, what was the harm in, in letting Cam start right away? But clearly Mac Jones uh, has the attention and the respect of the locker room. I think what was impressive in Sunday's game was the lack of rush, rushing yards, the lack of a run game for Mac Jones, because here, you know, with the Texans, with Davis Mills, we talk about getting the run game going and it's been a struggle for the Texans as well, but I don't think I've ever seen eight carries for minus one yards. You, you mentioned the injuries to the O-line. How much of that has been in effect? I know they had to put James White on IR too, but w- you know, what do you make of the, of the run game and, and the Patriots struggles with it this early? Yeah, they had eight carries for minus one yards against the Bucs. And it was just the fourth game in the Super Bowl era in the last 52 years that a team finished with negative rushing yards. So that's obviously not sustainable. I give Josh McDaniels credit. They were just running against a brick wall. The Bucs have been the number one rush defense now two straight years. And this year they're top five again with Vita Vea there. That's just a brick wall. So no sense in trying to do something where you're not going to go anywhere. And instead they spread it out and put the ball in max hands and he completed over 75% of his passes. So I thought he, he did a nice job. Uh, they, the Patriots, they, one of their big off season moves was they got Trent Brown back from the Raiders. He was an all pro for the Patriots back in 2018. He was supposed to lock down right tackle. He got hurt in the first half of the first game and has not been back since They've had to use backups at right tackle, neither of whom have played that well. And they've had to slide more help over to their side. And so that affects everyone else on the line. Now left tackle Isaiah Wynn and left guard Mike Onwenu, they're on the COVID list this week. And neither had been playing that well. Uh, Wynn's given up several sacks, committed some penalties this year. Onwenu got benched last week for Ted Karras uh, after giving up two straight holding penalties. So the line has just been, and it's not talent because these are the guys that have been around David Andrews, Shaq Mason, Isaiah Wynn, they've won some Super Bowls with the Patriots, but the communication has just been all off. The Bucs had several plays where they had unblocked blitzers screaming right at Mac Jones, just no one picked them up. So the offensive line has just been a mess right now. They might be down three starters on Sunday uh, against the Texans. So that's going to be the Texans' chance is to get in Mac Jones's face, cause some turnovers like the Saints did a few few weeks ago create some field position that way so definitely that that's uh, an area of concern for the Patriots is their offensive line yeah and you mentioned the right tackle they traded Marcus Cannon to the Texans this offseason and he's starting at right tackle for the Texans so certainly something to keep an eye on that Patriots O-line let's talk about the defense it was really impressive against Brady and the Bucs and so far they've allowed just 185 passing yards per game which ranks fourth in the NFL what makes that secondary so effective? And did they do anything differently against Brady and the Bucks that made them even more so? Yeah, I think the key against Brady and the Bucks was they definitely did not blitz. I counted only six blitzes on 44 passing plays, and they flooded the middle of the field. They dropped all their linebackers. They took away the short crossers. They know Brady loves to work the middle of the field, the short portion. So they just hung, hung back. They begged him to give it to Leonard Fournette. They begged him to check it down. And then they swarmed to the football. And yeah, you hold Tom Brady in the box to one touchdown and 19 points. That's usually good enough to win. So the defense, I definitely think, did their job the other night. Uh, it, it's just a very veteran secondary. The cornerbacks have been playing very well. The safeties have been excellent. Devin McCourty still getting it done back there. Leader of the defense, uh, playing center field. Adrian Phillips and Kyle Duggar, two real athletic guys who are kind of those hybrid linebacker safety types. They're, they're safeties who play closer to line of scrimmage. So the Patriots just have a lot of speed and a lot of versatility uh, in, in their secondary and up front, you know, uh, linebackers and defensive ends who maybe aren't great one-on-one pass rushers, but guys, they're, you know, guys who can do kind of all 
three down players. They can rush, they can drop. You're not quite sure who's going to be coming on any play between Matthew Judon, who's been an excellent pickup so far. Dante Hightower is back. Kyle Van Noy is back. sounds like they might be getting Jamie Collins back as well. I think they're working on a deal with him right now. So they've got some good versatility all up and down the defense. And I think they're top five right now in points allowed. They had a huge game against uh, Zach Wilson and the Jets forcing four interceptions. Nice performance against Brady and the Bucks. Definitely the defense is the strong suit of the, the Patriots right now. Speaking of defense, I was looking, they don't have a listed defensive coordinator. I know Matt Patricia is back on staff. What about his role and, and how much is he involved in the defense? And, and is it Belichick that has a defensive coordinator over there? So the way they split it up is it's still Bill Belichick's defense and he's making the, the big picture decisions, but they leave the play calling actually like the individual play calling goes to his son, Steve Belichick, who's one of the linebackers coach. And I believe Gerard Mayo, the other linebackers coach has some input as well. But it's, Belichick is still the man responsible for the defense and his lieutenants are just kind of carrying out the orders, I guess. As for Matt Patricia, he's the new Nick Casario. Matt, you know, Nick Casario was Bill Belichick's right-hand man for 20 years, running the, the personnel department. But then on game day as well, Casario was sitting in the press box, had his uh, binoculars on helping spot the ball. Okay, it's third and six at the 34-yard line. They're bringing in two tight ends. You know, Casario was, played a huge role for them on game day, on the practice field, you know, running drills, helping coach. And that's kind of Matt Patricia. He's kind of the do-it-all right now. He's in charge of the salary cap, and he was the one f- finalizing a, a lot of the contracts, which was Nick Casario's job. Patricia had always been a sideline coach. Now he's up in the press box helping out up there. Uh, and then you still see him on the, on the practice field, Bill Belichick, is always talking to Patricia and and, uh, getting his attention and asking for his input. So Matt Patricia really is the new Nick Casario and we'll see how long it lasts. The Detroit lions are still paying him for a couple of years. So I have a feeling that the Patriots at at minimum will have him for a couple of years before they figure out their next move. But that's been an interesting decision by the Patriots to see how they've made Matt Patricia, the new Nick Casario. Yeah. The Texans faced him last year in his last year with the Lions. So they'll see him again on Sunday, as well as many other familiar faces. It's always a reunion, but this year, obviously a different reunion. You've got Nick Casario, you've got Marcus Cannon, you've got Rex Burkhead, uh, Brandon Cooks, who was here last year, and maybe Danny Amendola should be a good one. What other storylines are are you working on for this week, Ben? Well, the Patriots, this is a huge must-win bounce-back game. They're one and three and cannot afford to go one and four. And so I know this is a big game for the Texans as well, and the Patriots – you know, for a must-win game, the, the offensive line, that's a huge story. Uh, the fact that they're, they, they, there's a possibility they get Trent Brown back, and they really need him now that they might not have the left side of their line. So the offensive line and how they're dealing with it, to me, that's, that's the big story of the week. Uh, and just how do the Patriots handle their emotions after a huge game last Sunday? Do they, can they avoid the, the dreaded letdown? If this game were in Foxborough, I'd feel very good about it. But the fact that it's in Houston has me a little worried. Uh, so, you know, the Patriots, they have to win this game. They cannot go down uh, to one and four. They, they have to win this. So this is a huge game for them. And they're facing a team that, you know, in, in Casario and all those players you mentioned, they know them very well. So I have a feeling most of America is probably sleeping on this game, but it's probably going to be, I think, tougher for the Patriots than people are giving them credit for. All right. I like it. Ben Volan, senior writer for the Boston Globe. Always appreciate the time, Ben, and we'll talk soon. Great stuff, as always, from Ben Volan. And if you want to catch 
the pregame show, it is on Sunday. It's usually about an hour before kickoff, so 11 o'clock. It's on all social media platforms. You can download the Houston Texans mobile app. It's called Texans Unlimited, presented by Verizon. So Drew Doherty and I, we host the pregame show. We bring you the inactives, who's playing, who's not playing, the top stories of the week. We answer fan questions. And it's a, it's a really good show. So we'll show you a live look at the field as the players get warmed up for practice. So with that, that's going to wrap it up for the Deep Slant Podcast presented by Xfinity. Check out HoustonTexans.com for all the coverage, all the stories, and more. Thank you so much for listening. And as always, go Texans.